1: Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are talking this month about building community, building connection, and speaking to a variety of leaders from throughout the region and throughout the country that can speak to different angles of that we're all needing right now as we look at those two topics. So today, I am joined by Chuck Mingo, CEO and founder of Undivided and a teaching pastor at Crossroads, which has been one of the fastest growing mega churches in the country for the last several years. Chuck, thank you so much for joining me. Mike, I'm so glad to be with you. I appreciate the impact that you've had. So for those who you may have heard this conversation if you participated in a couple of dialogues Chuck and I had but Earlier this year, when George Floyd was murdered, Chuck, you and Brian Tome put out a series of videos. And those videos, I was actually sitting right here in my office and truly shook me to my core. I got so emotional around. Again, for those who know, like I, this is an area that I rest in that I feel that it's a part of my heart and focus to drive racial divide out of the communities and organizations that we serve, but it exists and it's constant, right? It's a consistent storyline throughout our nation's history. And the videos that you all put out shook me so much that we ended up launching a racial equity series with the Metropolitan Club of which by design, you were one of, the, <laughs> one of the first speakers on the panel, but share with me what you have experienced this year. You as a leader, you as a husband, as a father, as a Black man in the United States, and as a pastor who's leading people that people are turning to for direction and guidance from the church. Just share with us as we kick off into this connection and community topic. How has your journey been going in those areas this year?
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Mike. And I I have to tell you, if I have to put it in one word, the word is exhaustion. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think all of us have found ourselves this year with the pandemic and then on top of that, the racial reckoning that was happening in our country, this elevation, a very clear picture of the racial tensions that have always been there. Like you said, we kind of have our fits and starts of it popping above the surface, but this year was just really, really hard. And so I do think there was a sense in which I've entered into this year and walked through this year with just this level of heaviness around this topic and wanting to just continue to be a leader who is showing up with hope in this topic. I find myself quoting the opening lines of Tale of Two Cities so much in 2020. They were written in 1859. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And, and, you know, obviously, there's a lot of things in this year that we look at and say, well, clearly, I can see the worst of times. Where in the world are the best of times? How could that be? But as you know, as a leader, oftentimes, the times of disruption, the times of the most challenge, I believe, are really the times when leaders lead. It's the time when leaders emerge. And so I do have hope that amidst all the challenges, particularly in the racial area in this country, that what we're seeing is the emergence of some leaders that are really willing to lean in to this moment and say, okay, enough is enough. I'm not saying that we're going to find the perfect solution, but I'm ready to stop avoiding this. I'm ready to stop minimizing this. I see it and we need to do something about it. And so leaders like you who shifted and said, hey, we're going to make this a topic. And we're going to bring a bunch of people who are influential in our community to talk about this in an honest way. That gives me hope in a year where it's really been, honestly, it feels like one blow after the other.
1: Yeah, yeah. As you look through the lens of leadership, I completely agree that these are the times where we see true leaders lead. It's right. also the times that we see people who believe their leaders fail and fall, right? That there's been saying for a long time that in the most challenging times is when your true core values show up, not the ones that are written on the wall, but the ones that are believed in your heart. I know you spend a lot of time speaking and engaging with others throughout the world. Do you see the leaders emerging? Do you see? And what does that shift feel like to you? Yes. To help others reflect, like, yes, I've seen that in my community too. Yes,
0: I really have. And the thing that I would say is this is a call to courage. This is about courage. I and I think courage on a couple different fronts. I mean, it's easy to think about well, courage because something's difficult and you need to overcome it. I see leaders leading this year by having the courage to admit honestly that things are broken. I see people having the courage to say, I'm willing to get out of my zero-sum game thinking, and that I'm going to lose, if, or I have to lose in order for you to win, and I'm willing to lay that down so that we can find a greater good that works for everyone in this time. That's the kind of courage that I see, the courage to say, I'm not just going to sit and empathize only, although that's a powerful start, but I'm going to get in the streets. I mean, you know, you know this, Mike, and I mean, your your listeners come from all over, so they may not know these names, but I'll just give a picture of it. But my wife tells a story this year that was so powerful for her and our children driving through Madeira. Now, Madeira is a very, very white, suburban, wonderful neighborhood in Cincinnati where the experience of a George Floyd couldn't be further from the experience of probably everyone in Madeira. And yet, to see these moms that were on the corner of a main thoroughfare in Madeira protesting and saying something needs to change in context like that, for me, that's the courage that I see. Like, those aren't people who had to do that, but they were compelled to do it. And so I do think that. Those are the encouraging things. So I would say for your listeners, you think about it. What have you seen this year in terms of people showing up in places they typically wouldn't be to stand alongside people they probably wouldn't stand with typically? That's courage. And it's courageous love. And I think it's what we need more of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Courageous love. And it's also encouraging yeah. to see this taking place. And let's not let that light burn out. Right? That's and- exactly right. You know, I also, Chuck, we see this quite a bit with organizations that are asking more important questions now than ever to their employees. You know, this year I had the opportunity to be one of those calls from many of my black friends talking to me like just an emotional outpouring. I need someone to talk to who I trust, but I'm angry. And then I've also been the same with some white leaders that have said, I've never asked these questions to my people, and I've never been more emotional when I asked to hear the responses that I never understood. These are employees that have been with me for 20 plus years, and I've never heard their sadness and their brokenness and their fear. And what an amazing opportunity as an employer. As a human being, as a colleague, to be that organization. Maybe this is the first time an organization's ever had these discussions. I'd probably say, in most cases, it is. And for that, for you to be a team member of an organization who has the bold, courageous conversations and who shows their people you're more to me than an employee, has profound impact. It really does. It really does. Chuck, with your podcast, Living Undivided, yes, the Undivided, a racial solidarity movement. I know you have some goals there. I'd love for you to talk about, like, where did Undivided, what is it? Yes. Why was it created? And what can people all over the world who are listening to this podcast take away from the story and the opportunity to get engaged in something like Undivided? Yes. So undivided is a living undivided,
0: which is the experience that kind of kicks people into the movement is a six week experience where we get people into mixed race groups for a facilitated conversation around race, where we take an honest look at history and we make that history local. So when we're in Cincinnati doing this, we're talking about not just national history around race, but what's the local impact of that? Where we're training on empathy. You know, I really believe empathy is a superpower. And I think it's a superpower that needs to be brought to bear in conversations around race. So we we teach people how to do that in Undivided. We also, Mike, really help people see the systemic nature of the inequities that we see. I mean, I think one of the hot topic, hot potato topics is like this whole idea of systemic inequities, systemic injustice. Is that a thing or is it really at an individualistic level? We give a compelling case and some experiences that help people understand the systemic nature of these inequities. And then we really begin to motivate people internally. You know, I'm a pastor. And so there's some religious language that kind of ties to this. But when you think about heart change and having a point of conviction, making a commitment to go in a different direction, these are things that we then begin to coach people on. And one of the things that we do in Undivided is make sure that at the end of Undivided, people have selected and committed to an on-ramp, a place and a way that they're going to actualize this transformative experience of Undivided, where they're going to show up, whether that be show up and work with inmates who are returning citizens, whether they're going to show up in a tutoring and mentoring program, if they're going to show up and be a part of a justice team and kind of think through systems and structures and how you organize people to bring about systems change in your community. We want people to really activate on the other side of Undivided. And the journey really came out of, quite frankly, a challenging question that I was asked five years ago our whole church was going on a journey. We call it a journey, a six-week experience. And the question really was, what's the brave, bold thing that you feel challenged to do? The thing that require great faith, but could have a, a great impact in the world. You know, this would have been around the time when many of the officer-involved shootings and other things were in the news. And I just really felt a conviction that, for me, the answer to that question was to be a voice for racial healing and for racial justice. Now, here's the interesting thing. And again, I'm a, pastor. So some might say this is coincidence, but of course I would say something different. It was three months after I made that declaration to our church and said, Hey, we got to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do something that right here in Cincinnati and yours in my hometown at the university of Cincinnati, we had our own experience of an officer involved shooting a killing of Samuel DuBose. And all of a sudden what was happening out in the world was happening right in our community. It was happening in our zip code. It was affecting families in our church. And so as we went on that journey to live undivided, it was powerful timing to think about this parallel path of what we were experiencing in the community, what was also being birthed in our church, that could be a tool and has been a tool for at this point over 7,000 people to engage not just in a transformative relational experience called living undivided, but actually to show up and be hands and feet doing racial justice and racial
1: equity work around the world. And you mentioned around the world, you mentioned in unique cities, how does an organization or how does an individual bring it to their community or identify if it's in their community? That's right. And again, I should just say we are in launch mode. So
0: we're a startup and we're excited about in February. In fact, one of the things i love anybody who's interested to know about is we're doing a webinar. We're calling it Hindsight 2020. And we're going to do this on the evening of Martin Luther King Jr. holiday in January, January 18th. We're going to just look back at 2020 through the lens of not just the Undivided experience, but we have some guests that are coming and going to give us some broader perspective on what's happening in the world. And then we're going to talk about what does it look like to look forward. And for us, what looking forward is, is if you go to undivided.com right now, and if you're in a corporate space, you can go to workingundivided.com. And it's an opportunity for you to bring the undivided experience into your organization. We want people to be signing up and saying, hey, I'm going to do that. And what that looks like is we do it in cohorts. Again, it's a facilitated experience. And at least until we get the vaccine, we're doing it all virtually. So it's all happening over Zoom or WebEx, whatever the program is that we're using, Microsoft Teams. And it's taking people on that six-week journey. So if this is something that is speaking to you, I'd love for you to Connect with us, and we'd love to share more with you about the experience, the program. We're looking to do this in a couple of key corporations here in the city this year, some Fortune 500 companies that are saying, Hey, we want to jump in and be a part of this. We're also looking to do this in nonprofit spaces as well. So
1: that's how people can plug in and jump into the work that we're doing. And you mentioned just to double click on this for a second. So there's church in the churches. There's curriculum to be utilized, but also in the workplace. So, undivided.com. Right.
0: Undivided.com is kind of the broad landing page. And specifically, though, if you're looking for the
1: corporate content and the corporate experience, it's working working undivided. undivided. Okay. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And we'll provide for everyone in the show notes links to this so you can come back to it in your app or. If you're looking at the show notes on our website, I would also encourage you, if you do download the curriculum, if you do say, you know what, I at least like to bring this to some colleagues or some family members or some friends, let us know, hey, Mike, hey, Chuck, we're going to start this journey because of this episode, right? So through the work that we're doing through the Talent Magnet Institute, where we're helping individuals understand what success looks like in relationships, work, community, and life. You have heard time and time again on our episodes, how important it is that all people connect, that all people trust one another, they feel valued, heard, and understood. And we believe that this work that Chuck and others are on this journey of do just that, right? They help you feel valued heard and understood but most importantly help others around you feel valued heard and understood and we've got to start somewhere right no matter That's exactly I right. love the exercise chuck when we facilitate team activities and you know you try to pair people up that you know are quote unquote different from one another right mm-hmm. and then you challenge them raise your hand when you have found a similarity And within like (laughs) three, four minutes or less, everybody's hands up like me and Chuck have lots of similarities. Did you know that? That's right. You know, and that's what this work does. It lets us know that we need to have uncomfortable conversations. There are uncomfortable circumstances that we need to be more prepared for. And we need to be willing to have engaging cross racial line dialogues to in order to move this nation forward in order to move our businesses and our yes. communities forward so yes so I'm so excited to be able to point people in this direction for tools. Is there a cost to this an implementation cost? Yeah there's an implementation cost and again
0: when you jump on the site and connect with us we'd love to talk with you about all of those things as we engage further in the journey. I want to go back to something you said, Mike, around which is a heard, listened to, and understood. Yep, valued, heard, and and understood. Valued, heard, and understood. And I know that's the theme for this month for the Talent Magnet Institute podcast is this idea of community and connection. I'm just always reminded of how powerful it is to have that gift of community, and what it means. And you know, I, I would ask all of us to just reflect on 2020 and what has been taken, stolen, lost, minimized. And I think the things that you probably agree the most have to do with exactly what you said, community and connection, whether it's a Thanksgiving that had to look different, whether it's another holiday that has to look different, whether it's just the, you know, I think about even on work teams, we talked about this the other day. I hate to say it, it be a Debbie downer. I think we're all on borrowed time when it comes to building teams on Zoom. There's just some things that are hard to replicate about being in each other's presence, taking the trip together, the road trip together, or the fight together. And I think the fact, you know, the hallway conversations and all of those things are really hard to replicate on Zoom. And so while we're doing okay, and hopefully your businesses are still thriving, I think if you're a leader of a team, you feel it and you know it. I know I am feeling like I'm trying to build a team and a startup amidst the pandemic, and I feel like I'm doing it with one hand tied behind my back because we can't have proximity, physical
1: proximity. It's a meaningful thing. Yeah, yeah. It is complicated, right? I'm sure there's someone, many of you listening right now that are like, yes, that, that's what I've been saying. It's, <laughs> no, we can make it work. But to yes. be frank, your host today in the Talent Magnet Institute podcast would love to be around all of his team right? Yeah, And be interacting with all of our colleagues and clients in person. And I can't tell you how important it is to me every year to bring, we're known as connectors and community builders. And early in the year, we had hosted from November until February, I think nine Micro open houses for clients mm-hmm. and friends, right? And we do mm-hmm. it. We would have done forty-five by the time, right? And right. just collaborating and bringing people together. Boy, we miss it a lot. So I do encourage everyone. I'm sure you're saying, yeah, I do too. And we know we can work remotely. And you know, as an employer, sure. that I have more than half of my team has worked remote for years. Right. But we could occasionally get together once a week. That's right. That's right. Even if it's not everyone. But let me get back to so working undivided, there's some data. Listeners love data, Chuck. They love to hear the data. They love to think about it and ask questions around it. So it says it states on your website, let the numbers speak. Yes. If you increase gender diversity by one percent, it yields on average, a yielded increase of 3% increase in sales revenue. If we increase racial diversity in our organizations and teams, it yields an increased sales revenue of 9%. Yes. So that's what the data says. Chuck, have you been with organizations that say, we started here and we increased gender and racial diversity, and you're right, this is where we went? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, I obviously in my previous career at Procter & Gamble, I think Procter
0: & Gamble is a, a leader in this space, I would say. And I think without fail, P&G would indicate that the diverse teams, the teams that had the breadth of diversity on them tend to be the teams that perform the best. And also, this is where I think we have to just be honest and recognize, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if just out of the altruistic wanting the good for everybody we would go in this direction. And I think for many of your leaders that's probably true. There's probably a value of inclusion that they tie into when they think about this space. But let's say you don't care about that. Let's say let's say you're like the you're the Grinch equivalent when it comes to diversity, right? You know, even if that's true, those numbers do speak powerfully. And a friend of mine put it really well. He said just think about it this way. To have the best vision, you really want to be able to see 360 degrees. Like to have the best perspective, that's really what you want. And the truth is, you, Mike, me, Chuck, I have a certain perspective with which I see the field, right? And I might be able to expand my perspective by some degrees, but I'm not going to get to 360 degrees. But boy, when I get around people who, because of their life experience, their gender, their background, all kinds of things, they have a different view of the field. Well, now all of a sudden, we're starting to get the 360 degree vision. And quite frankly, the better we see the field, the better we're going to play the game. And I think that's the spirit behind it. And the data does in fact
1: bear that out. And I think it's important. I know that we've had many discussions around the review, right? Some have said, look at the last 12 phone numbers you called. Right. And is right. there any diversity in that? Some have said, think about your children or grandchildren's friendship circles. Yes. Some have said, think about your your Thanksgiving table. Think about when you go out to dinner with friends, when we were able to do that more often, right? And how diverse are those circles? Your advisory teams, you know, NASDAQ well. just mentioned they're going to be forcing strongly forcing and encouraging gender diversity on boards, because Mm -hmm. we all know the more gender, the more race, the more diversity as a whole, whatever, however we want to subdivide, the more diverse our teams, our boards, our friends, the more you learn. And to be frank, if it's not, you're missing out right now. That's right. So think about that. Double click on and Just evaluate, look around my team, look around my network, my sphere of influence, my advisors. How diverse is that? The reality is we can always, no matter which angle you're looking at this, we can always make it more diverse, right? Absolutely, we can. And let's pursue that conversation and all do haste. And let's also make sure that we're including the diversity in the conversations and in the dialogues, because being asked to the dance is different than being asked to dance, right? That's exactly right. And to, just to add to that,
0: Mike, the other reality for us as a country, because as you think about 2020, I think we recognize the division in our country. I'm very, very proud that I was born in America. I love the fact that I was born here in this country. I'm not proud of everything our country does. I'm not proud of everything our country has done, but I love being an American. And at the same time, I have to recognize that some of the division that we have in our country and the way that we value or devalue people, it hurts us all. It hurts us all. So, if you look at educational performance, you look at some of the health metrics that you can look at, the United States is actually not doing well <laughs> when you think about how we stand globally. And I. I can't help but think that some of that has to do with the fact that we have this us and them stuff playing out, particularly along racial lines, as a country. Again, I'm not. I try to be a realist. I'm not saying that I imagine a day we all, you know, sing Kumbaya and everything is great. The point we can do better. We can do better, and I think 2020 has indicated to all of us that, like some people, some people say, you can either come together or you can die apart. And I think that that's a very real reality for our country to wrestle with. There's so much upside if we can work on inclusivity and find ways to live undivided and work undivided. I think it's just a powerful testament for the future of our country, for the young people that are coming up and seeing a different level of inclusion and leadership. And I'm hopeful because of the diversity of the next generation, but boy, why don't we start modeling some things that can help them be ready to lead very well
1: in these areas that maybe we haven't led as well in. Chuck, if there's someone listening to the episode, listening to this conversation and listener, whoever you are out there, that this is you, this is not intended to pick on you, but it's intended to encourage you. Chuck, if I'm a listener and I'm like, you know, I'm exhausted from all this race conversation, (laughs) right? Yes. I'm certain it's not everyone, but I'm also certain that it is some, right? Yes how do you encourage, especially if it's a, you know, I'm just going to categorize it. I'm a white male business owner. I'm a white executive. That's like, that's all I hear coming at me and, and I'm exhausted from it. How do you help encourage reposition, reframe that individual if I'm asking for your help? Yeah.
0: I think the first thing that I would say is if you're exhausted, and engaging in the conversation then well done seriously well done because it would be easy to escape altogether from the conversation. easier maybe this year not as easy but easier to escape the conversation altogether so that's the first thing i would say is well done the second thing i would say is recognize that we're dealing with hundreds of years of history that are coming to bear in this present moment. And so there is no quick fix. Sadly to say, there is no quick fix. I wish I could tell your listeners, just take my six weeks, just do my six week thing and you'll be great, it'll be
1: wonderful. No, (laughs) not true, right? It'll start your journey though.
0: It will start your journey. And that's exactly what I say, Mike, it'll be a strong start to your journey. So I think that's the other thing I would encourage us to do is take a long view on this. And do this. The way that I have found to stay in this work is two things. Number one is taking really good care of my inner world. Now, again, I'm a pastor. So for me, I'm thinking in spiritual terms, but for all of us, whatever that looks like, what does self-care, soul care is what I like to call it, look like? And if you feel that exhaustion, I'd encourage you to look in that direction and ask yourself that question. How are you doing in taking care of yourself? Cause that's going to be the thing that sustains you as a leader through this difficult time. So that'd be number one. And the second thing is relationships. I would encourage you to get, and this may take work, but invest in trusted relationships with people who see this differently than you and be willing to find them. If you don't have them, double down on them. If you do. And let those folks in your life be people who become kind of North stars as you're navigating this journey. And I need that too, Mike, I mean, you know, I can tell you that the friendships I'm most thankful for this year have been with exactly what you just described, white business leaders, white faith leaders, white community leaders, men and women who don't see this necessarily the same way I do, but we have a friendship And so in our friendship, we're able to engage each other, to encourage each other, give each other grace, challenge each other. I will tell you, for me, those have been really life-giving. So I would say to that white business leader who is is watching right now, listening right now, I want to encourage you to be in this conversation. We need you in this conversation. I want to say that. I am not a cancel culture guy. I might get canceled for saying I'm not a cancel culture guy, but I don't care. I am not a cancel culture guy. I I heard somebody put it really well who does work in this space. The very moment when we think we want to cancel out a person is the time we need to be inviting that person in or inviting that point of view in. I really believe that. And I believe that's how we
1: sustain each other in this work and how we make progress. Yeah, and thank you for sharing. I, you know, I'd like to pick out, these are the things you people hear. These are the things that sometimes because we, click on this topic so much, right? So I acknowledge the fact that most organizations as a whole, especially let's say in the manufacturing space, right? There's certain business sectors that there's a lot of diversity in the organization. There just might not be in the leadership team. That's correct. And there's the service sector. The hospitality industry is a big place where our firm Represents key organizations across the country. And all of these organizations have an opportunity to learn more, to diversify their teams. We've made a big initiative with the Urban League called the Executive Pathways Program to remove excuses from organizations who say, I just can't find people, right? Right, right. And to say, we as a, you know, and from our sister organization, Centennial, which is a, 45 year strong executive search firm that's building high performing teams, that's placing board members, that's placing executives, that's putting management into place. We have a responsibility to provide diverse talent pools of qualified leaders for our clients, right? Because if they say, well, we can't find anyone and we're the firm they turn to, then it's our responsibility. You hired us to do a job. We believe that it's important to diversify and to really show up and bring opportunities to all people. So part of our Executive Pathways program is not just a conduit to opportunity, but to encourage people who may not see themselves having the potential to be in a leadership role, giving the encouragement to the gifted, to the individuals who are like, you should be. We are missing yes. out without you here. Absolutely. And access, right? So we all know that access, connections, network is a privilege, nice. right? There are many yes. that don't have, there are many who have limited. And I would say it's one of the areas for me personally that, you know, I've grown up in a family that has had multiple generations of connections and network yes. and resources. And, you know, when times get tough, you pick up the phone because you know someone to call. So we're doing that as a part of this program as well, just to help more leaders see opportunity, identify, ask tough questions, be visible to make it to where, you know, when you go into a room, the room is diverse. Yes. statistically. And I love how you said it earlier. If it's not, you're missing out.
0: Yeah.
1: As you think through for yourself, right? And you're a, I assume, probably shouldn't do that, but I assume you're, ex- you're an extrovert. <laughs> That's a good assumption. That's a good assumption. <laughs> I've seen you on stage many a time. How are you keeping up community? How are you keeping up connection this year? absolutely. And it gets to those basic things. I've
0: got a couple key rhythms in my week that are just really important. So I'm a runner. I love to run. And I try to have at least two of my runs a week be in community. I'm really fortunate to be with a group of mostly men who run together and have been running together. And they've kind of invited me into their community because one of the guys in the group I run with regularly. And I just love that. Just the opportunity to connect and laugh and push ourselves. In fact, we're going to do a Christmas Eve run and it's going to be really fun just to be together on that day and, and do that. So that's a rhythm for me. Another one is I'm a part of what I call my dude group, so group okay. of guys. And weekly, we get together on Tuesday nights. You know, we share faith, we share life, and that's another critical one. I've got another group of men on Wednesday morning that I get with. And so part of my story is I like to say I am still in recovery and had some addiction issues earlier in my life and finding a group and a community with which to recover and now continue in that journey of freedom and recovery has been powerful for me. So those are some of the critical elements. Movie night on Fridays with my family, like we're big Mandalorian fans. So right now we're just like every Friday night waiting for the next episode of the Star Wars Mandalorian show. Those community rhythms are so important to all of us and I find for me, they're real anchors. So that's a place where I'm finding a lot of community. And then of course, with my team, the incredible people that are helping me build out Undivided, just an incredible committed group of people who are passionate about the same thing and who strengthen and sharpen me and each other as we grow this organization together.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for us to evaluate, right? Cause some people may say, I'm you know, I do still have a group, like I have a couple, I have a, a family business roundtable that I was in for years. And we've been getting together, you know, in a pretty steady rhythm via virtual, we've not gotten together physically. But even getting together virtual lets you say, hey, how you doing? Right? Absolutely. And how are things going? And, you know, my wife and I historically have done an every other week, as long as there's no sporting activities that conflict or a late, late practice that gets thrown in. But, you know, date nights and we, there was a point in time, it was months since we had gone out on a date. Right. And that's a rhythm I need in my life. I was asked by a friend to attend a socially distanced dinner in in a couple of weeks. And and it's like, you know what? I just need to be around friends that want to laugh. Like yeah, have absolutely. a couple of drinks, laugh, right. hang out, kick enjoy, back. <laughs> kick back. <laughs> Boy, how many of us need that right now. So mm-hmm. we all do. So as you look, are there other rhythms, Chuck, that you as a leader like to stay in? You know, like, for example, I talk a lot about journaling. Yes. You know, yeah. I journal, I take a lot of notes. I've got mine right here. I'm a big time journaler. Usually
0: I start my day with some journaling and some reflection. And I also find that it's helpful to come back to that. I tell you what, Mike, that I've been doing for the last several months. I have a, a separate journal. Just I just got like a one subject wire notebook. I just sit it next to my bed and it's my gratitude journal. And I try every night to just capture 10 things I'm thankful for in the last 24 hours. And there's something I think about orienting my heart and my mind to gratitude before I go to sleep. That's really helpful for me. You know, I'm definitely one of these who can wake up in the middle of the night churning on something, stressing about something. And I find that when I just give myself that simple couple of minutes to just reflect in gratitude, it really helps to stem a lot of that anxiety and I get better rest. I mean, I get perfect rest, but I'm getting better rest. So I think that's
1: another one that's a helpful rhythm for me. And that's a daily one. That's great. That's great. Great exercise. A great exercise. One of the hacks on thankfulness and gratitude, Chuck, that I was given many years ago is every time you walk under a doorway, say, think one thing you're thankful for. I like that. So it's a visual. So I always tell people when I've mentioned it, like when I say that, you can thank me later because you're going to walk through a doorway <laughs> and go, Oh, I gotta, I gotta say something I'm thankful for. Right. I <laughs> so, like that. I like that. <laughs> but, but similarly, if uh, just a way to like, you know what, there is a lot of good in the midst of challenge, it really right? Is. There's lots of things that we don't know why it happens or why now, but when it does, there's something positive that typically reflects from difficult circumstances and you've mentioned a couple early in the conversation that difficult situations that led to awakenings, that led to folks coming together that were divided, right?
0: Okay. so as Young we- leadership. I just want to point to that. Young leadership. And again, that's another thing that I would be asking your listeners to be thinking about. I'm finding this opportunity is right for young leaders who are passionate. And that's one of my passions is I want to be a developer of young leaders. I want to continue to develop people to go beyond where I am. And that's another thing I'm thankful for is that in the shaking of the moment that we're in, that there's some young leaders who are rising up. And boy, if you have one of those in your organization and the opportunity to
1: invest in them, do it and be thankful for them. And express it, right? I mean, there's yes, tell them. (laughs) Yeah, there's an opportunity right now to think about. I'm gonna, I'll challenge all of our listeners to do this on behalf of Chuck and Mike. (laughs) Think about a couple of people that you are especially thankful for this year, on your team, in your friendship circles, and your family. Think about two in each categories, right? So colleagues, employees, team members, family members. Friends and folks in your community that you're thankful for, and pick up the phone, not send a text, not email, not Slack. Right. right. Pick up the phone and call them and tell them how thankful you are for them this year. What I like to say when you do this, it won't just be a gift to them, um, you know, and not to say to be selfish, but you also will feel something different when you do that you will. right there's a joy and there's a joy that comes with that an extreme joy and when you talk about employee engagement Mike how does this tie back to workforce how does this tie back oh, to leadership massive. this is leadership this is it this, this is the game is employee engagement.
0: <laughs> yeah this is the game absolutely I mean think about it you know I always say this when I have a new employee I just did this this week I was onboarding a new employee and it's like hey I know we all feel love when our company gives us a race. That aside, what else can I do that can communicate gratitude and thankfulness to you? And I asked that question and then I try to deliver on that when I want to express gratitude and thankfulness to that person. And I know for me, yeah, I certainly remember when people gave me bonuses and raises in my career, but it's the words, it's the gift, it's the thoughtful thing that someone said that I will cherish even more than more money and income for the work that I'm doing. And we have an opportunity to do that more generously than perhaps we can give raises right now. <laughs> you
1: know. Well, Chuck, as we wrap up here in the building connection and community, what else would you like to leave the thousands and thousands of people that'll hear this episode as they reflect, they think through what this means to them relating to building connection and community? How do you how do you leave the listeners as you right before you step off stage?
0: Yeah. What I would say is this. You're wired for this. You're wired for connection and community. You have what it takes to do this. You have what it takes to create rhythms and relationships in your life that can be life-giving to you and where you can give life to other people. And so don't doubt that in a year where it's probably been harder to either start or maintain those rhythms of connection and community I would just encourage you, listener, that you're wired for this. This is the way you are made. And we'll get through this. We'll get through this. I don't believe that we're stuck in this cycle forever. There's hopeful news on the horizon as vaccines are starting to come online. And just don't forget that this is a time where you've really had to sharpen your connection and community skills. When it's easier, when it's maybe even something that we can take for granted, don't forget. Don't forget how it felt to be in this moment. And let's just make sure that we all step our game up and be the best connectors and community builders that we can be. Because I really do believe that
1: relationships at the end of the day are the richness of life. Chuck, thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Community, the talent magnet community, thank you for being a part of it. I would love to hear from you. What is one or two things? That you took away from this episode that encouraged you, that's inspired you, or that you're still struggling with, right? That you wanna go back and re listen and you wanna challenge Chuck and I in that conversation. You know, that's what we're here for, right? We're both wired to do just that, to be a resource, to help bring out the best of all people, to encourage, to inspire, which again, as we talked about earlier, as we do this, we all get better. So Chuck, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And community, I value you. I appreciate you. I wish you all the best over the coming week.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode
1: and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappell and Adam Smith of Sound Press, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine, and myself, your host Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. Reframing success in leadership.